0: Magic Book Club with Benson's for Beds. Welcome to the Magic Book Club podcast, where we chat to your favourite authors and get behind what really makes them put pen to paper. This week we're joined by B.A. Paris, the mind behind. Bring me Back, Behind Closed Doors and The Breakdown. Uh, multi-talented lady. Uh, you've been a bank trader, set up your own language school uh, and still have had time to, to give us four best-selling novels. Um, uh, your new book, Dilemma, tell... Well, I'm not, I'm not going to say it tells the story. It details the annihilation <laughs> of a family unit... <laughs> Around a significant date,
1: um, I've uh, loved it, and it's really stressful. <laughs> I know. Well, and actually, that's a really good way of putting it. Your description is is very apt. Um, but at the heart, it's a love story, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, I think that um, the question it poses is how far would you go to um, give the person you love a few more hours of happiness? And uh, well, how far would we go? That is the question. <laughs> there are so
0: many. Um, there are so many examples of that. And those grabbing those those last bits of time. And we'll talk about that because it is it is so it's so beautifully written, and you're, you know, there's a balance of your heart pounding with what they're all trying to achieve in this impending doom that you know (laughs) is just a page away. Um but you first of all, you you grew up in England, but you have spent most of your time in most of your life in France. Does does France provide a different inspiration to you than than England? Is there something
1: about being there that That makes your brain more creative, perhaps? No, I don't really think so, because actually all my books are set in the UK, which is quite surprising because I know France so much better. But um, no, I think, you know, uh, I think my inspiration just comes from my imagination and it really doesn't matter what country I'm in for that to work. But uh, yes, we've lived in France for so many years and more years than in England, but uh, now we're back. Good. Well, we're pleased to have you back. Did you always know you wanted to write? Yes, from a very early age I used to make up poems and then when I was um, younger I wrote uh, children's stories but I always thought I'd be a children's author because I loved children and I knew I wanted a big family and, you know, I did pen stories for my children and I really thought that they would be published and I would never write, it never occurred to me to write a novel until one of my daughters um, told me that I should. Because what was, was her a, reasoning was she just yeah well we talked about writing and she had an idea for a novel but she wanted me to write it and <laughs> there was a she saw well I saw that there was a competition in the Sunday Times so I told her well there we are there's your chance write your novel and um and she looked up the all the rules and regulations she said well I can't because I'm only 16 and you have to be 18 but why don't you write a novel and I said no no I could never write 80,000 words for me it's just short stories but that night I went to bed and I started thinking about an idea of a story around a family, not one of the ones that has been published. <laughs> but when I got back to France, I bought a computer because I didn't even have a computer at that point, And I just started writing and I never stopped. Um... The, uh, just. Do you ever look back? Have you ever gone back to any of those
0: short stories or those poems that you penned and just um, went, yeah, there we go, they're all yeah, right. mean the there. children's stories,
1: I still think they're great, but I think they're a bit cruel and I think that's probably why. Um, I did actually send them to a publisher and they were rejected, but they were quite, I thought oh, they look, were funny. I, I thought they were funny, but they were probably more for the parents than for the children. It's you and your dark mind. <laughs> it is, it is. So
0: you never know, maybe one day. <laughs> Um, there's, you know, you are, you have been and are a very busy person. What, what, what's the, I mean, how do you fit it
1: all in? What do you do? What's your kind of, how do you, what's your work pattern? Um, I'm really driven. So, you know, I, I just get things done and, but I didn't start writing when all my children were small because I just wouldn't have had the time. So, you know, I like to focus on one thing at a time. So I focused on bringing them up and then I started writing about 10 years ago and fitting everything in now because, well, I do have the luxury of not having children at home and not having a job to go to, because now, uh, since we moved back to England, we gave up the language school. So really, I'm a free agent and I can write whenever I like, which is lovely. It's wonderful. I can't believe you had a language school. It's so incredible. It wasn't, you know, it sounds an amazing big language school, but it wasn't. I mean, we used to go into companies in Paris and teach business English. And we just set that <laughs> up basically because I was being asked to give a lot of English lessons and I was already teaching privately um, students, getting them through their English exams. And it was just the next logical step to start teaching business English in companies because there was such a demand for it. I right? think you must you must be, you, there's a love of language, obviously. Yes, I mean, I love language. I'm not a great linguist. Of course, I speak fluent French, but I think I'd have trouble learning a third language. <laughs> <laughs> and when we come
0: to the dilemma then, the. Um, I know that in the past that you have found inspiration through friends, people that you know, and extrapolated situations that you have found interesting mm-hmm. on you know, mm-hmm. the periphery of, mm-hmm. of what you see on a daily basis. Where did the, the idea for the dilemma come from?
1: Well, I think we all read tragic stories in the press. And I've always wondered um, about that gap in time between somebody receiving bad news, and then having to tell the person they love that news, knowing that it's going to change their life forever. And, you know, I've often put myself in that situation. When my husband's been away travelling, if anything happened to him, how would I tell the people around me? And, you know, with my children as well, if I had to tell my husband, if he was abroad, would I let him come home first? Or, you know, I do kind of put myself in those situations and think, what would I do? And I just wanted to explore it a little bit further and just see how far somebody might go. Because I think we've all heard stories of, you know, um, a grandparent might die and the grandchild isn't told because... They've got an important exam at school or something, so we'll withhold that news until a better moment. So, you know, that's what I wanted to explore. How far would somebody go? And, of course, Adam gets caught up in this nightmare where, you know, he knows he has to tell Livia the news and she also has something that she wants to tell him. Everyone's got something to <laughs> tell everybody's each Everybody's got something to tell each other and I think that's what's the great thing about this book because we, we know as a reader more or less what the news is. And we can imagine how it's going to devastate the person. But, you know, the characters have got to get to that point when they're going to tell each other.
0: There was, when I was doing uh, my A level English, and we were doing Thomas Hardy. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there was that bit about when you're reading a Hardy novel where you really don't want to turn the page because you kind of right. go, how? Oh, there, there is a bit of that <laughs> because you kind of go, is it Adam or is it Livia? Who's going to be talking at what stage are, are they at? The, the balancing of how that finally came out must have been really tricky. It was
1: quite tricky. And of course, well, it was quite tricky. You have to get it right, you know, and I hope I have got it right. But there's also the confusion when they're each trying to tell each other the the wrong thing, you know, and that was, you know, quite tricky to write. But also, I think it really added to the story, the fact that they were misunderstanding each other, or Livia at least was misunderstanding Adam, slightly on purpose, because she thought he was going to tell her what she already knew. But in fact, it's a completely different secret. So, and, and and over the top of it as well. There's this
0: there's this control, um, uh, with with Livia desperate to have this, and Adam desperate to have her this this mm, you know this fortieth mm, birthday uh-huh. party, this big moment in mm. her life. Um, and I recognise that so so vi- so palpably in my own life. You know, when you want things to go, and you're a mother, and you have all these I'm pressures so glad of you family. That, oh yes. my gosh, absolutely. So some
1: people say, oh, she's very mercenary. She's very, um egotistical wanting this party but I just thought you know I wanted a big party for one of my big birthdays and I kind of thought about it for quite quite a few years before thinking oh that falls on a Saturday so I'd love a big party so you know I think it's quite when you're a mother and you've got lots of children you're always doing things for other people it's quite nice to have that one day special day of your own so you know I really could see why Livia was desperate to have this party
0: And she's definitely had her own specific set of challenges with her Absolutely. husband and that um, she's a young parent in mm. this um and uh, and you read, you do you really want the, the it's it's i love it the, the 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 simmering tension and this thing that you know has to happen is 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 very it's is really magnetic you can't stop you can't stop reading um when you're when you're looking around for your ideas and and your inspiration are there ever any other authors that you particularly go, I love the way that they've crafted that scene or I love the way that that, that particular ending has come together? Mm, I
1: think, you know, um, when I started, no, before I started writing, I mean, I was very inspired by Kate Atkinson. Nah. I just love the way she writes. Yeah. And I read um, Behind the Scenes at the Museum when, when it first came out. And I suppose I must have been in my 30s then or something. But I remember thinking, I really want to be able to write like that. And, of course, I'm nowhere near her level yet, but, you know, this time... Oh, shush but no, now! <laughs> but, you know, I think she's amazing. I think she's amazing with the way she creates scenes. Mm. And, um, and of course, I was very inspired, I suppose, by Agatha Christie because I read all of her books when I was young. And I just loved the fact that she would get... I think I'd know who the murderer was, but it would never usually was. Or sometimes I would guess, but most of the time I wouldn't. And I loved that. So I think I was very inspired by, by people. It's like funny,
0: actually, about. when you go back and... Um, uh, I said, this, with the luxury of time, you go back and read other authors, and and Agatha Christie's on my. You know, I want to go back and read some Dickens, and, and all, I want to go yes. back and read yes. them all again. You know, you're listening to the Magic Book Club podcast, the important questions, and we talk more with B. A. Paris after this. Um. So, in the case of the dilemma, you're you. What happens when you start a book? Where do you start? Do you start with a an overarching plot? Do you start at the end? Where? How do you begin to write?
1: Well, normally I know, you know, I know my starting, you know, I know how I want to start the book and I know the end I want to get to. I mean, I absolutely knew what was going to happen at the end of this book, which is probably a <laughs> disappointment to some <laughs> readers because it doesn't maybe end how they hope it will. But um, I knew that I had to get to that end. And in between, I you know, I don't really plot anything out. Ah. I'm not a big plotter. I don't have spreadsheets where I write what's going to happen in each chapter. I prefer just to sit down and write and get to know the characters. They develop as I write them. And they lead me often in different ways. And it was the same in The Dilemma, I think, because at first, Livia didn't really have a story. Yeah. Um, And then I thought, no, she needs a story. And... um, But then, yes, parts of that story I didn't expect to happen, you know, so (laughs) I I love not really say too much about it because I don't want to give it away. But, you know, I enjoy that. I enjoy the characters taking me on somewhere where I haven't thought of going. And I find it all knits up together in the end anyway. Yeah. And I probably spend a lot of time plotting in my head. I think about my books all the time, Mm. the story I'm writing. So although I say I don't plot... I don't plot on paper physically, but I think I plot quite a lot mentally.
0: Do you? When, so do you, uh, friends, or do they kind of go, come on, Bernadette, out out of your bubble? Do they know? Do other people recognise yes. when you're in uh, that yes, bubble?
1: Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, my poor husband, you know, <laughs> I barely talk to him anymore. And if we drive, if we're going on a long journey, he can talk to me when I won't even answer. And then after I find I've agreed to something, which I don't remember, um, because, you know, I use that time when I'm travelling, even on the train up today, I'm always continually thinking about my characters and about the next book, and or about an idea I might have. You know, so. Are there particular
0: environments where you're more creative or more productive? So do you do you need to be left alone, or are, or do you have a time during the day that you work?
1: Are there any little foibles that you have that people go, no, 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 she's she's definitely in the zone, never alone. Not really. I mean, I like to write every day if I can, and um, you know, I like to start writing in the morning. If I'm having a writing day. Then I don't want anybody to interrupt me and I will literally write for hours and hours and hours without stopping because I don't see the time passing. Wow. And, you know, if I'm on my own, I probably wouldn't eat all day because I just <laughs> about four o'clock I suddenly think oh, I'm hungry. And I think it's maybe eleven in the morning. So, you know, it's quite lucky that my husband's around kind of to come and bring me coffee and just to check that I'm eating, because I might just fade away over the computer. But I love days like that when I can just, when I'm really in my writing and nothing else matters around. And for that, I really like to be on my own. I don't like to have anybody in the house with me. I'd quite like to go away for a month and just write without any interruption. It's not possible, though, but it would be nice. <laughs> what is, did you, do you have a writing room? I do have a, well, we've just moved into a, a cottage and in the garden there's this beautiful room and <sighs> it's not attached to the house, it's a little bit further in the garden. And we're having that done up and that will be my writing room. Are you a pen or a computer lady? Oh, gosh, no computer. Okay, But I don't know how to write anymore. (laughs) I have trouble writing my signature now. You know when you don't write for years and years? You You get cramp in your hands after the second sentence. It's It's terrible. And also computer, it's so great. You know, you make mistakes. I'm always changing, you know, words in my sentences even. So, you know, it's quite rare that I'll write a sentence straight off or a paragraph straight off. I'm always going back to check it and change a word here or there. So imagine if you were writing, it would be, you know, terrible. I can't, I like, you kind of look back in the day and
0: sort of go, like the, the, the monumental task of writing something like Great Expectations.
1: I, I mean, you I kind of just know. go... I can't believe it. I can't. I don't know incredible. how they managed. I suppose maybe they just didn't edit so much. Maybe <laughs> this is the trouble. Now we can just edit and edit and we never stop editing. You know, until my book goes to print, I'm always thinking, oh, maybe I should change this or that. So well, you that can only leads, relax when it goes off to print, really. That leads me nicely on my next question, which is, is, is it ever finished? The date goes to print. It is okay. Actually, it's probably about maybe a week or so before that because you're not. You get a kind of date limit. You can't change anything after this date. So you know, but that is a really comfortable place to be because until then, you know, you just might think of a sentence. You think, oh, maybe I should put that somewhere else, or maybe, oh, what if that happened? You know, the urge to tweak your book, you know, as much, until you can't tweak it anymore is terrible. Mm. So it's it's you know, I can only really relax when it's gone to print, and then I think, okay, even if I think of something now. I can't change it anyway, and that's a good place to be, or, or not maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, that's it. I mean, I mean, if you could, if you, uh, you know, if you have the capacity to be able to kind of let it go, and it's gone to print. That's fine. That's lovely. I'm sure though, as well, because you know the way that you've talked about how you let your, you know, your characters guide you down sometimes mm. unexpected paths. Is it sad to let them go to say goodbye to them? How do you feel when you pass um, it over and and say that's it, that's the
1: there you go. Well, when that book goes, I'm already on my next book. I'm already writing my next book. So I'm more into those characters probably. Yeah. Sometimes it's quite hard to go back and read a book that for you is more or less finished. But I'm the certain characters I'm very sad to let go of, Livia and uh, she's ace adam. isn't she yeah and adam i just think yeah so solid bloke them, yeah solid bloke <laughs> not many of them around <laughs> no, <they're really laughs> so no and i just think yeah i really like this couple and um so yeah i'm sad to let them go just as i said to let um, grace and millie go in my first book so these are the characters that mean yeah. a lot to me and uh, i really wanted to write another another cu- uh, couple or more characters that meant the same to me as grace and millie in the first book so for me, I've achieved that with this book. Do you have uh, a glass of aged brandy and a cigar when you finish a book? Or No, I don't. I think I usually try and have a glass of champagne. But, you know, maybe I get caught up. Oh, yes, well... Coming from France, we're big champagne drinkers. So, <laughs> any excuse to open a bottle, you know. So, usually I have a glass of champagne, not brandy, definitely not. My husband might have whiskey, but uh, I'll have the champagne.
0: And do you, so you toast the book, farewell, and say, that's it, done? No, I think it's more on
1: publication day. Yeah. We toast the book and we say, you know, that's it. That's It's out there now. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like letting your child go, there's nothing more you can do. You've left them out there, you've put them out there in the world, and, and that's it. It's up to them now. <laughs> oh, it's a very scary time they'll
0: definitely be champagne when I let the big one go anyway um, we uh, it's time for behind the cover so uh, this is when we ask our authors to read an, an extract from their book um, so uh, BA Paris Bernadette uh, please could you read us um, a paragraph from your new book The Dilemma
1: okay I'm going to read the first chapter it's very short um, and actually it's um, a chapter taken from further on in the novel near the end when Livia's had her party and she, Adam has gone out to his shed she doesn't know why, he's, ha- he's got something to do and she's waiting for him to come back in It's the cooling bath water that wakes me Disorientated, I sit up quickly, sploshing suds up the sides wondering how long I've been asleep I release the plug and the drain gurgles a too loud sound in a silent house a shiver pricks my skin as I towel myself dry. A memory tugs at my brain. It was a sound that woke me, the roar of a motorbike in the street outside. I pause. The towel stretched over my back. It couldn't have been Adam, could it? He wouldn't have gone off on his bike, not at this time of night. Wrapping the towel around me, I hurry to the bedroom and look out of the window. The guilty beating of my heart slows when I see, behind the marquee, a yellow glow coming from his shed. He's there, he hasn't gone to settle scores. Part of me wants to go down and check he's all right, but something, a sixth sense perhaps, tells me not to, that he'll come to me when he's ready. For a moment I feel afraid, as if I'm staring into an abyss, but it's just the dark and the deserted garden that's making me feel that way. Turning from the window, I lie down on the bed. I'll give him another ten minutes, and if he's not back by then, I'll go and find him.
0: Thank you. That's lovely.
1: I mean, it does sort of sum up what's at the heart of the book, doesn't it? I think it sets the scene. We know that something is going on. So, you know, that drags you straight into the story, I think. That blummin' motorbike.
0: Um, Right, we have some uh, listener questions that we would like to ask you, if that's okay. They've come in through various social media platforms. Uh, This has come from Anna uh, on Instagram that
1: says, Hello BA Paris. Do, we have, do, we have, do Hi, people Anna. call you B.A.? They do call me B.A. because they don't really know my first name and they probably wouldn't dare, you know, call me Bernadette, but I don't mind. Okay. But I chose... My initials, because Bernadette is such a long name, and yeah. I've never been that comfortable with it. So yeah. you're talking um, to yes, a presenter people... with a silly name. So uh, well, I get, I get it. It's fine. <laughs> so, so people tend to call me BA. Hi, BA. So Hi, BA. Fine. Cool. Excellent. I, I feel cool now. Uh,
0: this book was such a massive page turner for me. I wondered what was it like getting into Adam's mindset. I've been married to fi- uh, for 15 years and still struggle on a daily basis to figure out what my husband is thinking. How did you do it? <laughs> well.
1: I think I have a you know fairly good imagination I think I have to if I write these yeah. sort of books and I really when I'm writing I really am those characters so for Adam it wasn't that difficult it was very sad but you know I just imagined that I was him I just imagined that I was Adam and I had to tell this news to to the person I loved the most in the world Do and, you do you uh,
0: think you have to take a different approach when you're thinking into a man's head or into
1: a, I mean I think so yes I mean Yes, you you know, and wouldn't react in the same way. I mean, he's all over the place. A woman in the same position probably wouldn't have made the same decision as Adam. You know, that's what I'm wondering about. I yeah. think maybe not, because... She would have had other considerations whereas he's really focused on, you know, he's panicking, his mind's spiralling out of control. He knows what he's done and you know, he wants to tell her but he also wants to give her these last few moments of happiness. Whereas I'm not sure a woman would react in that way. He's quite linear, isn't he? He's kind of getting mm. to the next bit, to mm, the next bit, to the next it, bit. Just whereas through.
0: she's got the the, mm. the, the huge the bigger picture always, but he's, you know, that's as far as he can get yes. because these he, you know, well, he needs to get to the next hour and the next, yes, you know, that's, that's all right. he can
1: do. Just muddle through.
0: Yeah. Until the end. Um, uh, this has come from The Sunday Feeling on mm-hmm. Twitter. Oh, yes. There. Yes, we have we correspond quite a bit. So, hello. <laughs> Excellent. Um, uh, the question is, did you always know how you wanted the dilemma to end? Because I know you knew how it, you wanted it to yes. start. Um, or did it change throughout the
1: writing process? No, I always knew how I wanted yeah. it to end. I felt I had to be true to the story I wanted to write, even if some people weren't happy with that. But, you know, it wouldn't. I didn't want to tie it all up with a big bow at the end, really. So, no, I always knew how I wanted it to end. EHAWK7 on Twitter. The covers
0: of your books are always stunning. Do you have any input in the design and which is your favourite and why?
1: Um, yes, I mean, I'm always shown a, a possible cover by my editor okay. and the design team, and then I can say, you know, if I like it or not. And I think, you know, they did show me a cover for this that I didn't really like, and they're very good, and we talked about what possible cover, but then it was the colour. You know, we had um, a big debate over which colour it should be because um, I quite like the... We, we brought out... They were very good, and they brought out four possible colours, um, which we put on Twitter and uh, social media and asked people for their um, cool. input. But um, my editor would like like the orange one. I like the white one with the white pe- with the red petals. But in fact, um, most people went for the blue or green, and it's the blue one. So, and it's very beautiful, and I'm really happy with it. And I think, to be fair, you know, they always want... Um, us authors, to be happy with the covers we have and they'll go the extra mile just to make sure that we're, we're happy, which is great. Cool. I like the, I like the
0: democratic mm. nature of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's cool. Um, uh, right then, we have come to the part of the interview uh, and our chat today when I've got to ask you the really important questions. Uh, the important <laughs> questions of the day. We can't let you go without asking them. Uh, question number one. If you could have written any book in history, what would it be? So this is a hard one. So
1: it's and ridiculously. is a ridiculous question. And probably if you ask me next year, I you might say change. something but, different. Yeah. Um. Of course, there is *The Handmaid's Tale*, which is <gasps> amazing. But no, I'm going to go for *Pride and Prejudice*. Oh. Yeah. Because I think for any author to write a book that lives on 200 years after, and will probably live on a hundred another 200 years, that remains um, relevant, I think that's amazing. And there's lots of reasons why I've chosen this. First of all, um. Jane Austen has always been a part of my childhood as I st- we studied her work at school. My parents took me to Chawton to see her house and I remember walking into the little sitting room, her desk in the corner, and just imagine- imagining her sitting there, scribbling away in her notebooks and I really had that sense that she was there. It was really strange. I could almost see her and um, now I live very close to Chawton so um, there is that as well. So I live in Jane Austen country And then, of course, there's Mrs Bennet, who um, has five daughters like me and a husband who's completely (laughs) bemused by all these women around him. So, you know, I feel a great affinity to Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice. She's been there. The spirit of Jane Austen (laughs) lives
0: on. (laughs) It's an an incredible book. I literally just, I did reread it a while back, actually, in the
1: last couple of years. It's so modern. I know, but there's so much in it as well. I mean, there's the romance, of course, but there's also this feisty woman at its centre, um, there's also the kind of thrillerish aspect because you know when uh, Darcy is that's it. And there's so much in it; it covers everything. It has a bit of everything. You kind of keep putting it back into its context. It was really quite radical, mm. you know.
0: Actually, it was very, very new. It's Definitely. yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, I'm, I'm, you, I approve. Good, that's good. Correct answer. <laughs> Question number two: um, If you could be a character in any book, mm.
1: what, who would that be? So. I'd want to be a character that has fun most of the time, somebody okay. who's really, really intelligent. And I've always fancied the idea of being a private detective, so it'd be Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I would love to be Sherlock Holmes. And, you know, he helps people as well. So, and it's, he's got that great mind. So I can't think of anything better. Yeah, I love the idea of you as Sherlock yeah, Holmes. That's and also awesome. to be a man, why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. Are you a fan of the new inc- inc- the incarnations of Sherlock Holmes? Um, I love. Um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. loved that. Yes. Yeah, my favourite. He came in for an interview once. I struggled through the entire interview to say his name. <laughs> I know. I
1: was just, <laughs> just stumbling over that thing. I hope I can remember it. It's like but, literally yes. f- I just, <laughs> saying it again and, and his, again. And um, his sidekick, um, what's his, the actor's name? I love him. Freeman. Martin, uh, Martin Freeman, Freeman who's Martin great. Freeman as, as well. so, Dr. Yes, Holmes. my favourite. Yeah. And they always will be. It's like the first Pride and Prejudice with um, uh, Colin Firth. That will always be my favourite. I because mean, I, think, I think it's the first one that you see that makes that impression on you. So any of the, you know, the more recent ones, I think there's only been one of Pride and Prejudice. So yeah. I haven't really liked it that much. I mean, Colin
0: Firth coming out of the
1: lake in a wet shirt. I Wichert. know, I know,
0: yes. So. Let's just hold on to
1: that. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, and uh, if there was only one book that you could read for the rest of your life, which book would So this would is going be? to be a book
1: that I really want to read and I'll never have time. And actually I'm going to cheat a bit and ask for the whole series. Okay. And it would be A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, my God! I am such a, a Game of Thrones fan. I think George RR R. Martin is absolutely amazing for the way he keeps all those threads of his stories together. Um, I'm so much in awe of him. And I love the series and I want to read the books. My daughters have read them. They tell me they're wonderful. I just yeah. don't have the time. I don't think I'll ever have the time. So I'd like the whole lot. But if I can't have the whole lot, even the first Game of Thrones would be great because I think if I had to read that for the rest of my life... Each time I read it, I would find more and more in it. I think it's the type of book that you'll miss something the first time and then the second time you'll find more. And I think it would always keep me, you know, thinking and... uh... Absolutely. And actually... By the time you have
0: finished the last book, if if you can have the series, I think we can give you the it's series. The, oh, that'd be wonderful! By the first time you finished the 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 last one, you'll have forgotten what's in the exactly. first so one. You can anyways, go back get start back back into again. Into it, again.
1: But it just catches my ma- imagination so much. This series, I just think it's amazing. And I it's did so... not expect you to say what that. What did but it you makes perfect... me to say? I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> well, of other to say, but said, I expected. Well, I other the people said probably real classics. And everything.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I thought that's that. that that's wonderful. That's absolutely <laughs> wonderful, and is a great and it makes perfect. So that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, the Dilemma is out now. V.A. Paris, thank you very much. You've been listening uh, to the Magic Book Club podcast. Until next time, happy reading. And if you've enjoyed this episode, remember to rate it and subscribe.